It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 2-1 away win the first away win of the season it's what almost mid-november we're recording on the 13th you'll hear this bright and early on the 14th so good morning good afternoon um bonjour konnichiwa whatever you're listening from this i don't know where what i'm saying right now but anyways regardless of that first away win of the season mid-november sounds a little crap but regardless of that it's two wins on the bounce we've beaten united we've beaten brighton it's happy days i'm joined by mr simon o'regan simon how's it going yeah not so bad thank you it's uh very nice to to come onto a podcast on the back of an away victory for the first time this season. It seems like it's been a while since that's happened. So, um, yeah, all in all, I'm, I'm in a pretty good mood this Sunday afternoon. I think you'd have to be. I mean, it didn't start off well, and we'll <laughs> get into um, all of that discussion very, very shortly. But I did want to say for listeners, of course, um, of course, now Villa are in the World Cup break officially. Um, so with what Emmy Martinez, Leandro Dundonker, maybe what, like one or two more of the squad actually going to the world cup, we should have a lot of players sitting back, listening to Unai Emery and picking his brain. And we're going to come out of this world cup as app as absolute world beaters, I should say, um, at least let's hope. And it doesn't turn the other way, but knowing Villa, we'll have to wait and see. But I do want to mention we will be relatively active during the uh, World Cup. We do have an, a special interview coming out in the next week or so. We hope to do something Villa World Cup related or at least something Villa related within the month that uh, or five weeks or so that everyone will kind of have off of Premier League and Cup football and all that kind of stuff. So keep an eye on this. Of course, you can go on the website as well, 7500holt.com and at 7500holt on Twitter, shameless plug, doing it all early because I never do it. But anyways... Let's dive into the game, Simon, because like I said like a minute ago, it didn't start off well, did it? No, 50 seconds <laughs> in, I had my head to my hands thinking, why do I do this to myself every time you think it's starting to go right, it goes wrong. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bad start. I mean, I I mean, I don't know who do you apportion more of the blame to, Martinez or Louise. Personally, I would probably way more of it on Martinez. I thought the pass was poor. I mean, Louise wasn't on his toes. McAllister was. So, you know, and he should have been stronger, but I thought it was poor passing to him, which didn't give him, you know, much of a chance. And then after that, for sort of 10, 15 minutes, Brighton didn't really pepper our goal with shots or anything like that, but they were just, they were in complete control of that game for that opening quarter of an hour or so. And yeah, you, I was... I was quite fearful of how it would turn out, but I think you know something we might have to get used to is now we we actually have a proper manager in charge who doesn't panic <laughs> at the first sign of a setback and 
we managed to uh, to get ourselves back into it and, and get going from there. Well, I, I think the funny thing is, it, like, and you are right in saying that I do sit back and like I find myself now like reflecting after certain bits of play, and I'm thinking, oh god, like here we go again. That this is going to end terribly, but. I think it's almost making me more uncomfortable the fact that we have a manager that's comfortable taking risks and actually, <laughs> let's be honest, knows what he's doing. I think that's the thing that makes me the most uncomfortable and scared for the most part. But of course, that man being Alexis McAllister scoring in the first minute, I, I do agree. You'd have to give that mostly. I'd probably say a, a 70-30 split too in terms of who is at fault, and that has to be Emmy Martinez. I did think Douglas Louise was a little lackadaisical in how he received it and handled it, but all in all, that's what. The the, the second poor uh, pass back from a goalkeeper in the ma- a matter of days. It doesn't matter if it's Robin Olsen or Emmy Martinez, apparently. We've now discovered that, um, although we do need a backup goalkeeper, so put your applications into the football club um, in regards to that. Of course, Danny Ng scoring in the 20th minute via a penalty i mean simon i i find it absolutely her- uh, hilarious that lewis dunk thought that he got the ball and that's not a penalty when he was about three feet away from even the ball and about just absolutely calamitous defending but what did you make of that uh i, I mean yeah when when defenders do that and they, they start wagging their fingers if to say no it never touched him and you look and thinking mate that's one of the most blatant penalties you're going to see all season. I just, yeah, I mean, I've got to say, what I really enjoyed was probably about five minutes before that. I don't know if you could hear it on the uh, stream you're watching. The Brighton fans were singing to Tyro Mings, you're just a shit Lewis Dunk. And then Lewis Dunk goes on to give the penalty away and gets put on the seat of his pants for the second goal as well. So, yeah, that, that didn't work out too great for them. But no, yeah, I mean, it was clear penalty um and to be honest I, I i thought for the probably three or four minutes leading up to that i, I thought we'd sort of found our feet in the game and, and we're starting to to gain a sort of measure of control in it and lovely ball from brendier good run from mcginn who I, I i didn't think had a great first half i thought he got better as the game went on um but that's that's what you want to see john mcginn doing isn't he drive making those driving runs forward and then it was one of those that I think he knew full well. I'm never getting a shot away, but I just need to make sure I get a touch on the ball first and I'm getting clattered and it's a penalty. And I mean, Ings it was a bit touchy. <laughs> I was going to go in or not. I was, uh, I was uh, yeah, a little worried for split seconds. But what I did like about it is uh, if you're going to put it down the middle, you've got to put it put it with some power so that even if the keeper does get a touch on it you've got enough behind the ball that he's going to go in and, and fair play he, he did that superbly well he's, he's a good penalty taker he's, he's uh, you know we've been a bit blessed recently with El Garza over the last couple of years knowing you know we've got people who can take a penalty now yeah I think I heard the commentator literally 10 seconds before Ings actually took the penalty I think it was something like uh, the Brighton keeper Sanchez hasn't saved a penalty in the Premier League or something like that. And I thought, yeah, okay, fantastic. <laughs> so this is what's going to happen. To be fair, he did get a hand to it. But like you said, if you put enough power, it doesn't matter. Nine times out of 10, the keepers, they might leave one hand flailing to stop anything in the middle, but they're going to dive one way or the other. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, for anything, for me at least, it gives Danny Ings more confidence. And like I was joking about, 
before we even came on here. I feel like Danny Ings is quietly going to have a 15 goal season. It'll be like a brace here and there. And we'll just kind of wonder why he hasn't scored 30, even though he already has 15. It's just, they're just going to be grouped together. I feel like that's how Danny Ings is. He took the next one very well, even though it was via deflection, but all in all, so I, I think you have to agree. It's nice to see him doing well when, of course, the, the news kind of broke as soon as um, as the lineups came out that Ollie Watkins missed out completely. Leon Bailey was on the bench. Um, so you're missing two key figureheads that played a massive part in kind of Unai Emery's quick success at Aston Villa. So how pleased are you for Danny Ings, first and foremost? Yeah, obviously very happy for him. I've, I've always been a fan of Danny Ings. I think he's a good player. But I'd what you you do get different with him compared to obviously Bailey and Watkins is they Bailey and Watkins provide real pace and can stretch teams. Now Ings isn't he's not slow, but he's not he's not got that rapid pace that that you're going to get him in behind. So you have to you have to sort of change the way you play. And after a difficult opening, I thought Villa in the first half, especially as the first half went on, got better at getting that link-up play between Ings and the midfield, right? So Ings, he he was dropping in quite a bit, but then there were midfield runners like McGinn, Ramsey and Buendia were running beyond him as well. So, yeah, it was was nice to see um, a victory in a different style to last week. Obviously, you'd love to be able to play like we did against United every week. But you you can't still look the same against every team. I mean, you sort of you you look back to that that first goal and the playing out from the back. You can do that against a United team that aren't going to press. With Brighton for years, have been drilled. To, you know they're a very forward uh, thinking team, and they they press on the front foot. And we're obviously not used to playing out from the back. So it's you're going to get moments like that. I'm afraid in, in games against certain teams, it's just something that. You're just going to have to to work through and, and keep working at. But it, from an attacking point of view, it was nice to see us grind, grind out and resource in a different manner. Absolutely. And now, Kenny, when you sit back and think of, of course, we beat we've beaten the fifth place team so far. We've ble- beaten Brighton now that are in seventh. And I mean, to be fair the, to them, they've had a very very impressive start, um, beating some very good sides and are doing very well considering some of the players they lost in summer, losing Graham Pot- Potter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean. Now, Simon, we're up to 12th. We're, we're full of piss and vinegar. We're, we're, we're just absolutely <laughs> happy with, I, like I was saying before we even started recording, it's it's funny how quickly to kind of move away from the game um, for a second, how quickly things have changed within really a matter of a week. Two wins, of course, it was frustrating to lose in the cup. But I mean, all in all, now we're on 18 points. We're literally a point off ninth. For one, it's crazy to see how close this league is, because even at this point, sometimes I feel like there's a a massive gap. But even at 18 points, you're four points off from sixth. I mean, all in all, when you look at it, of course, now there's a month's break. So everyone has that advantage to an extent. Of course, some teams, traditional top six teams are going to have much less training times with these players because basically everyone's an international at that kind of higher echelons within the Premier League. But you'd have to think from a Villa standpoint, this actually might be coming at the perfect time. Yeah, I I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, there, there's some teams in the league, um, for example, I was watching Match of the Day last night and Harvey Barnes at Leicester was saying how, you know, it's, it's come out a bit of a bad time for them because they 
they're, they're in a really good run of form. And obviously, two wins in a row for us now, you think, oh, OK, maybe you'd like another game. But the fact that we've got a new manager and he's been in the club less than two weeks, I do think it actually probably has come at a good time for us as well. Um, because obviously the way that Emery wants to play is very different to how they've been used to because they've basically not been coached properly for, for the last 12 months. So, yeah, I, I do think it, it's it's quite handy having sort of, it's almost like a mini pre-season. But also, I mean, normally I, I would want, uh, you know, all of our players going off to the World Cup and representing their country in, in the summer. Obviously, like in normal circumstances, I'd want that. But I'm kind of kind of glad that there's only like three or four that are going away. I think it will benefit us in, in the long run. And I think we're, well, on paper at least, we should be one of the, these teams in the Premier League that will benefit from this break. And also, um, it gets you know, a bit more time to get Diego Carlos back because I think he's almost, you can almost forget about him. But I I suspect that he is more of a capable ball playing centre half who will be able to quickly adapt to how Emery wants to play. And I, I think if we if he can come back you no know, January February time, then then I think that's another big bonus for us as well. So yeah, I, I think the players will benefit from from having an extended period on the training grounds with Emery and, and his new coaching staff to to really work out these new ideas that he wants to get across. Absolutely. The one thing I was just thinking about when you mentioned that as well, especially sticking to the center backs, because it's been a constant kind of question all season. I mean, you have to throw some criticism today at Tyrone Mings in terms of the way that handling of the ball. I mean, you could tell there's a few times where he just got rid of it because he felt like, you know what, that's what I'm most comfortable with. I'm just going to hoof it up. And there's a few times where he was caught in a position because he wasn't used to, you could clearly see he wasn't used to playing it from the back and he wasn't comfortable with it. That's what I'm trying to say. I also have to give him credit because he got better throughout the game and he had some crucial tackles with some crucial blocks later at the later stages when we absolutely needed it. So fair dues there, but when you're thinking of someone like Diego Carlos coming back, of course, we still have cons. You have Callum Chambers as well, who, let's be honest, didn't play that well against United and had his own issues playing out from the back as well, which, I mean, you you know, I Emery had him at Arsenal, so he's probably already aware of that. Who do you think the, the pairing comes kind of post-December, I would say? Because, I mean, once Carlos comes back, we, we saw the early days of him and cons. I mean, took cons of ages to get any form this season seems like he's finally got a little bit of that back and then of course it switched to carlos and mings and that seemed to be a lot more comfortable than carlos got injured so what would your kind of pairing be keeping in mind that we are playing out from the back going forward i would go with carlos and mings to be honest i, I just think uh, i'm i'm a fan of Conza, but i think he up until the last Sort of few weeks. I think 2022 has not been a good year for him. I think he has struggled, but I do think he has been slowly getting back to his best. But I, I think at the moment, you know, I know he's a marmite figure amongst some of the fan base. But for me, the, it's very clear to see we're our better team when Tyrone Mings plays. Like the, yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone can really argue against that convincingly. Um, he's not perfect, but who is? And exactly. you, you, you kind of. I get the point you're making about him, some of his struggles today. Some of those, though, 
I don't think are entirely his fault. I, I, I mean, there's there, there's a number of occasions where he's where like the pass from Martinez to him is is slowly rolled to him. Now, if you're playing against a team that you know are going to be pressing on the front foot, you've got to punch those passes into play. You've got to move the ball quickly. If you're if you're giving the defender uh, the the ball, you know, pass sideways. It's taken a while to get there. When by the time the ball gets to him, his options are quite. I, I felt his options were quite limited at times today, and you kind of you're stuck then between. Okay, do I just lump it? And get a bollocking from the manager, or do I do what we've been told to do and, and risk? It's a real risk and reward. And, and as I say, I, I think instances like that first goal, I think in, in there's going to be a, an initial teething period where you're going to get mistakes like that. But you just, we, I, I think some the Villa fans can get um, quite impatient at times with with new ideas and stuff like that, and you you get. You'll get people saying, oh, what does it mean? Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. I, I think we've got to really now fully get behind what Emery wants to do, except that there's going to be issues along the way. But the long-term uh, benefits will outweigh the short-term negatives, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, I can think of the one, I can't remember who gave him the pass. Maybe it was directly from Mami Martinez, but he was on... I guess he'd be facing his own right-hand side, or if, if you're attacking, be on the left, I guess, um, towards the Brighton end. Um, and basically, he was so far pinned, he was basically on the like goal line to the far left of the flag, or far right of the flag, I should say. And I mean, at that, in my perspective, at that point, your fullback should be sitting there, like literally right beside you, so you can at least flick it to them to clear it or something, but there's no yeah. one in their way. You're a hundred percent right in saying that it's all about supporting the ball. If there, if there's nothing there, then clearly you're going to hoof it up. And I, I felt like that was the perfect example, even though I didn't explain it that well um, of times where I think a it's appropriate to do so. And two, it, it's evident that there are those teething problems for providing the proper support. Now, sometimes there aren't. And of course, I mean, the game winning goal from Danny Ings came from the certain, the exact same kind of thing almost that uh, happened to us in the first minute. And actually, funnily enough, I think it was Alexis McAllister that gave it up as well. I mean, brilliant bit of play there. It was a great goal all in all, but it, it, it's nice to, although you don't want to be down in the first minute, Simon, and it's annoying. And I think we all just start thinking, oh, here we go. This is going to be a long day at the office. I felt like, especially at this point, the last game before the World Cup, now not playing till what, Boxing Day against, I think it's against Liverpool, I believe. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's nice to have a come from behind win, to hold on to kind of, I mean, we saw some kind of shithousery under Jared a little bit, but I felt like today was the ultimate shithousery. I mean, Martinez pretending that he was going to, save it and letting it go even though it already went um i think if i can think of ashley young giving it the big one about six times um just all in all i mean even with added time we were just able to slow down the ball so well dictate momentum and it felt like really if brighton came at us there wasn't really too much to worry about yeah oh definitely i, I thought that last sort of 15 20 minutes was a defensive masterclass in all in all honesty i mean brighton are a very good team. They batted Chelsea four one what last week or two weeks ago, something like that. They, you know, they they can cause real problems. And I think I saw a stat come up that 
I think before today, the last 20 games that they took, that they'd scored first in, they'd won 15 of them and drawn five. They then lost in the, in the last 20 games where they'd taken the lead. So to come back from behind and, and, and get that win and the hold off it was brilliant. But yeah, the, the, the level of shithousery from Emmy Martinez is outstanding. Like, if you, I can well imagine if you were a Brighton fan at that game, you'd be absolutely furious and you'd be so annoyed with with how Villa played but it's it's a side of the game that, that sometimes you need to do it you, you sometimes you need to make a game ugly make you know tough for the opposition and we we we, we kept I don't really remember Martinez off the top. I don't remember him having to make any really top saves really I think they had a couple of shots from long range that I'd expect him to deal with and he did but the um the way that, especially when Ashley Young uh, came on and the, I think, uh, Augustine soon as well, when he made that triple substitution, you basically had like a back five and a back six at times. But it was it was so well disciplined. You could see Brighton, were ha- they'd have the ball in the middle of the park and all they could do was just knock it side to side because every time they looked up forwards, there was just no way through. And that that doesn't happen by accident. That, that is... Tactical work on the training ground. They, he, I imagine that Emery has spent the last couple of days drilling those players on a drill like that over and over again, getting into those banks of five, banks of four. And it, I, I, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I, as I say, it, if you're an opposition fan, you would you you'd be really frustrated watching that. But you kind of you have to. You've got to show respect to a team being able to do that. Like that, that that's a part of the game. That it's not pretty on the eye, but it's necessary at times. And I, I thought, I, I honestly, I was so impressed with that last 15, 20 minutes. Because let's be honest, how many times have we seen games like that where Villa will just crumble? Like I, I'm sure that most people probably watching that thinking, "Oh, I can feel, I can feel what's going to come," because you're just so used to it happening. But like you said, Cole, Brighton never actually really looked like they were going to score. But I think there was that one free header from Cole Will, I think, who he should have buried it really. Yeah. But that was that but that was that was the one time that that they, they really got anywhere. Um unless you want to talk about the um the penalty that they possibly definitely maybe should have had. Well, it's funny you're actually gonna bring that up. I was just looking to see exactly when that happened roughly around the 71st minute of course uh luca dean as i've been corrected people keep telling me i'm saying it wrong so sorry people i i don't know i pronounce it two different ways and i don't even realize it i think that's the issue of living so close to uh the quebec border in canada maybe that's my <laughs> issue but regardless of that um yeah i mean what did you make of that because to me and i mean i i saw the differing of opinions from outside and inside the Villa fan base. And I, I saw it both ways within the Villa fan base. But to me, he got the ball. It was a little bit of a coming together and they clashed. That's really all I saw with it. But how did you see it? I would want a penalty for that, personally. I, but yeah. the, the only thing I'll say, I, I I don't think it's as clear-cut as Jamie Carragher was making out on the contract. Oh, my days. Jeez. Like, I, I, it's... it's it is. It's a difficult. Because you've looked at it a few times, and I'm trying to take my bit of bias out of it. But I, I can't like conclusively guarantee and say that he. I, I don't know if he 
took the ball or the player first. Like, it, it genuinely looks like... I mean, he definitely waxed the player. But it's... Did, did he get enough of the ball that that's okay? I I don't know. It's, it, I, I think, if, if I've been totally honest, I would want... I would expect a penalty to be given for that. And certainly once VAR had, were having a look at it, I, I was very surprised that they didn't at least go and tell him to, to go and have a look at it. But... You know, the uh, a few years ago when we lost at home to them, we were given a penalty for foul on Trezeguet, which got overturned. And I would say that if that's not been given, then you can't give the one today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So, you know, yeah. I'm I'm still waiting for our uh for our payback against Crystal Palace next time we play them from the, <laughs> from the Hen- Henry Lansbury thing that I'm still not over from a few seasons back. That that man deserves a goal, so we should sign him on a one-day contract. But um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I, I do get what you mean. I kind of sat back and thought of it after, and I would be annoyed with it. But it, it is interesting to kind of sit back and think about it as well because, like, really, how do you determine – when you can't like it's very interesting for me because sometimes you'll see players get the ball and it'll just be kind of they're finishing kind of their forward progression their momentum it's hard to stop if anything if you stop you might probably injure yourself or tweak something um depending on how you move your body and you're going through it and i felt like in some instances that's how i kind of felt about this one but i can see the other side of it too i i I don't think you come out a winner in either way in this debate. It's always going to be some kind of bias, but I, I, I do get what you're saying too. It's it, it's annoying, but there's been way, way worse that hasn't been given and that's clear cut. So yeah. at the end of the day, I, I think Brighton fans will feel hard done by and they'll be annoyed, but realistically they had enough of the ball. I think even looking at the stats now, if I read them out here, uh, very quickly, they had 65% possession of the ball throughout the entirety of the match. We only had 35. Um, felt like when you look at that, it feels like we were playing like Liverpool or something with that stat. Yeah. Um, they had, what, five shots off target to our six. They had two on target. I think if I can think about it correctly, Trossard had a, a really good effort that was well saved, I'd have to say, even though it looked mm, pretty well managed by Emmy Martinez. And I can't think of their other one. I don't know if they counted that as the, the cross. The that was a danger. The, oh, the oh yeah well that too yes um that that would help too um, yeah I, I, we only I, had one shot on target so i i, I think with, with the penalty i i i think we probably got away with one but i would also say though in the context of the game and how it was refereed i thought he let a lot of physical challenges go i mean yeah. so on another day 
their goal might have been disallowed for. I don't know. I don't think it was a foul on Louise. I think it was a perfectly fair challenge. But you've seen that given before. Um, so I, I actually thought he. I, I actually thought the ref had a, a fairly decent game. I know we mm-hmm. got a lot of a lot, a lot of players books. Um, I, but I thought I thought pretty much all the bookings were were justified, and I thought he, he let it go as much as he could. The only thing I thought he got wrong was not how Dunk didn't get booked for the foul on McGinn for the penalty. I thought it was very strange, but other than that, I I, I, I thought I imagine that that wasn't like that was that couldn't have been a nice game to referee because of because of how bitter it got. But I, I actually thought he did a decent job. Well, that that's the thing. Like I couldn't think of too many things aside from the Lewis Dunk thing. Which, to be honest, if Lewis Dunk is in is in my face for the next three minutes arguing, I feel like I would just give him a card anyways to tell him to go away. Um, but no, you are right. I thought it was a very well um, refereed game for once. I mean, if you look at the yellow cards and you slide down to the Villa side, going past Brighton's two, I think it was what Pascal Gross and uh, Moises. Uh, Casado, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, I butcher international names, so apologies if I butchered that. But regardless of that, you had um, Abby Martin has got a yellow card, Matty Cash, uh, Tyrone Mings, John McGinn, uh, Bubakar Kamara, which I, I've seen people call him uh, Booby now, which I, I very much enjoy. <laughs> um, I, I'm still going to call him the big boob. Um, and of course, Ashley Young got one as well, and Leon Bailey did too. So all in all, a nice day at the office with plenty of shithousery, and uh, we go home happy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, Ashley Young's one really made me laugh. <laughs> like, it was it was such a cynical foul. But even, like Martinez, yeah. I just, I love him so much. I honestly I do. <laughs> he's such a git, but I, but in such a fun way. Like, I, but he's our git. The, it's exactly. <laughs> I mean, the the uh, the Trossard shot that he saved. I just love the way he just threw the ball out for throwing, then to pretend he's injured again. <laughs> like, it's, as I say, if you were in opposition, but I can imagine you, he would wind you up so much. But when he's on your team, you uh, you really enjoy it. Well, that's what we've been missing for years, isn't it, Simon? The, those personalities. Yeah. And, I mean, you're Ashley Young's, your Emmy Martinez's. Even John McGinn has it from time to time when he's actually playing well these days. It's just nice to have that kind of almost shithousery flair, I guess you could even call yeah. it, where, okay, yeah, you know it's wasting time. Yeah, it's annoying. But the amount of times it's happened to us and we've just been told to sit back and take it because they're playing at Chelsea or whoever else, which in regards to Chelsea, we better beat them because it feels like everyone else has beaten them this season. (laughs) So we we better beat them at least once. Um, But um, in regards to just even the simplest things of wasting time, it's a, I always find it funny and I don't follow too many Brighton fans or journalists or whatever um, on social media, but the odd one or two that I do, it's just, it's funny to see fans sit back and complain, telling us that we need to just play on and all that kind of stuff. But I'm thinking like, I think back when we even lost to them in 2020, I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure you guys did. If I'm thinking correctly, the almost the exact same thing. I can think of watching Brighton and other times and they've done the exact same thing. I can think of so many other teams that have done it on thousands of occasions. So it's just, it's funny how when things aren't going, and I mean, we say this as Villa fans as well, because I definitely feel this way at times too. When it's not going our way, we just get annoyed and want them to play on and it, it should be played beautifully. But all in all, we want to win and we just don't care. 
Exactly. There's, yeah. there's, there's, diff, there's different ways of winning. I mean, and we've seen them in, in the last two league games under Emery. You know, there's certain games, the way they go, you, you need to manage them differently. And I actually thought that you mentioned John McGinn. I thought, especially towards the end of the second half, he, he won a lot of clever free kicks. Like j- j- just stuff like that. That's that type of like street smarts almost. Just get get that big ass of his in in the way and just go down when he gets you know when he when he feels the contact and just waste time. And you know, when you saw eight minutes of injury time, I thought, oh Jesus, here we go. But I thought they managed it superbly. Oh, absolutely. It's I, I think there's a lot of things now that come with added time and considering the amount net these days it feels like it's at least five minutes every match now at the bare minimum at least the ones i seem to pay attention to i i I do see and i do think it's justified but i think a lot of people put a lot more stock into added time keep in mind a lot of these players are absolutely dead so it's not like they're just gonna kind of pull out their second win they probably already use that but the one thing i did want to mention simon before we get to our three word reviews on twitter so thank you of course first and foremost to those people that do interact and we'll get to those in just a minute. I've been, I've been speaking with our very own Sebastian Bacon uh, throughout the day. Um, and of course he, uh, he's best friends with Christian Perslow because uh, they were in the same car park. <laughs> he sent me, he sent me a photo and said, if you're listening to this, it's not to abuse you, but I just, I thought this was hilarious. He sent me a photo and he's walking behind Christian Perslow. So all I see is Christian Perslow's jacket i'm assuming it's a club jacket by the looks of it Has some nice little black sneakers on with the uh, white uh soles on it very very dapper man um and i don't know i don't know how you feel about Perslow simon but things i based on the pieces that i've read and other things i feel like he just likes the attention and based on the conversation that seb seemed to have with him which i won't get into because it's already caused enough of a crap storm um but um basically i just said to seb was that I feel like he just likes the attention, or is that just me? And he comes back and says, honestly, I think he's just lonely. Always travels to <laughs> matches alone and just likes to talk. I just think I like to think that <laughs> he's a little old man that sits at the sits at the corner waiting for the bus to come by to get to the match, and then he sits there by himself solemnly, just kind of enjoying the one or two people he waves at. But that's just me. Yeah, no, I think. And you know, I think he he probably does like um the attention sometimes, but I don't I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I, I, I mean, obviously the, the Gerard's appointment was probably more his doing and didn't go well. But I think from a commercial point of view, you, you can't really knock what he's done with the club no. so far. Like I, I think he's he's he was exactly what we needed, and he's you know, works at Chelsea and Liverpool. So I I actually. I'm quite happy to have him at the club. Yeah, same here. I think, not to bring it into a massive discussion, but I think his work off the pitch is definitely more impressive than any kind of impact he's definitely had on it. And I think that's yeah. the way it should stay. I just thought I'd bring that up because I love how yeah. Seb's kind of pictured him as an old, decrepit man that's lonely. But um, maybe that's just the way I write it. But I, I just got a kick out of it when he but sent I, it to I me, think so. the thing is with Seb, he, he's still so young. Anyone over the age of 30 is an old, decrepit man to him. So yeah, I mean, you are his dad. So <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, anyway, Seb, if you are listening to this, go to bed. Um, or, or your father will be in after he's done this recording. But... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyways, let's get over to the three word reviews because I don't know where the hell I was going with that. Uh, of course, you can tweet us at 7500 to Holt. Usually goes out five to 10 minutes post match and you can have your say. We have a bunch of people that actively get involved every week and they send in a few. And so it's great to see different people that I haven't read from before as well. But let's get into them now, shall we? Um, Trevor Hood saying Super John McGinn. Uh, FG10 saying Feels So Good. Um, Michael Taylor, Bad for Heart. Um, Abu Dhabi Villa saying Time Wasting Masterclass. A Donovan, Winning Ugly Good. Uh, AVFC underscore USA 83. Gritty Team Win. Uh, Russ Wilson breaking down... Um, Bubkar Kamara's name into Kamara. Um, so I'll, I'll give him that. My favorite one that I have to give a special mention to, uh, Nigel WV at Kara23, still crying. Um, let's go to um, Ernie Barnhurst saying we deserve it. And we'll do one more. Let's scroll all the way down to give people in the back row a little bit of a shout out. Um, let's finish it with Simon Palmer saying Aston Shithouse Villa, because I think that is the best <laughs> way to end that one. Simon, if you had a three-word review, what would it be? Um, defensive tactical masterclass. I like it. I like it. I would put mine as Ings, Martinez, Happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really didn't think of that before. but. No. <laughs> <laughs> from the back to the front i'm happy so that that's 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 what i'm going with that one but anyways to to move away from that if you're going to give your man of the match slash match ball to a certain individual who would you give it to si mm, that's an interesting one that i mean i suppose you kind of an obvious one would be danny ings obviously cause he's got the two goals that won you the, the game um i'm gonna go with bubikar kamara i i He's not similar to like Dan Donker last week. It's not anything flashy or spectacular, but he's just always in the right place. He reads the game so well. Um, you know, he breaks it breaks up the play really well without having. You know, he's not one of these like old school whole midfielders who sort of crashes into challenges. He just he's very good at nicking the ball away from people on their feet or coming in from behind and like just nipping in front of them to get the ball. And then he uses it really well when he's in possession. So and I kind of he's I, I think he's unbelievable that we managed to get him on a free contract to be honest. I, I think he's a really talented player. So yeah I'm gonna go with Kamara. To be fair, I don't know what his wages are, but I hope they're crazy because I hope we keep him for a long time and he's happy with it because he's absolutely brilliant. And we've been saying this for since he signed, it's been the missing link in that midfield that we've needed for ages. And whether it's him and Dendonker or him and Louise, I mean, those two paired up any of those combinations. I'm extremely happy with. We just look so much better um, as a side and let's cross our fingers that everyone still stays healthy and fit um for the rest of the season because i feel like we've went through enough annoying injuries um hopefully that kind of um rotating of that duo can have a a lengthy time together with plenty of success but i'm gonna change things up i'm gonna i mean this is an easy way but i'm gonna go with danny ings purely because of course he scored two goals but not even that i just thought 
the way that he moved off the ball today. And I mean, I feel like a lot of people think Danny Ings is just a goal poacher, but I mean, the amount of tracking Ugh. back he does, how he runs the channels, how, I mean, it, it could even be a run where, for example, Ramsey's kind of coming off the right or the left, wherever he's kind of roaming around at that point in time, even to make a direct run kind of in front of him to open up some space for someone else. Ings does it so, so well. Yeah. And oh, it, it's he, great to see he, that as well. He, he's, he's, so much more than than just a goal scorer. He's uh, he's a very very gifted footballer, like really really talented player. And I think he's someone that could really benefit uh, from from Emery. I, 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 I yeah, I, I saw so what you were saying earlier that you can sort of see him getting fifteen goals a season. I yeah, I, I, I can well see that happening because I think he's a really really clever player and winner games. Him and Watkins can play together in certain formations, as we saw in the Brentford game. So, yeah, I don't see why not. I would like to see from literally minute one, him up front with Bailey on one side and either a Buendia or Ramsey kind of combination coming off. I, I think that would work very, very well. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I mean, Bailey is really starting to show over the last few weeks the, the player that we thought we were signing, which is which is great. So fingers, you know, crossed such wood that he stays fit for the rest of the season as well. Well, I hope so. I almost called him Birch and Triore for some, some <laughs> strange reason, but that, that, that nightmare still hasn't ended, even though he gave us about three good moments in, what, two odd years. But uh, Simon, before we do wrap things up, I did want to briefly discuss... Of course, we know now the World Cup's going to be happening in, what, just under a week or so. Uh, you're going to Qatar. You're going to be our live correspondent, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know you're staying until England are knocked out, so hopefully that's a lengthy period. I um, hope you enjoy it out there. But from a from a Villa standpoint, I mean, we've already mentioned that there's not that many Villa players going, which I think we both agree on mainly benefits the football club throughout the rest of the season at least. But... Do you think with this break now, I think coming out of it, of course, like we've already established, we play Liverpool, um, which is going to be no easy feat. They're going to have plenty of uh, players at the World Cup, so that'll keep them busy. But then we go into a run with Spurs on uh, New Year's Day, then Wolves and then Leeds. Um, And from there, I would say kind of, I don't know if I want to say Southampton eases up now that they have a new manager, then Leicester's starting to play well. But regardless of that, there's some tough fixtures coming um, post-World Cup. Do you think we're in a a good place mentally and kind of even tactically now? Obviously, compared to before, that's a yes, but going into this break? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, the the last... Well, let's be honest. Since Gerard's gone in general, it has the, the mood has really lifted. Obviously, the, the Newcastle performance, the yeah, every okay, that wasn't great. But even the you know the win against Brentford, win against United, and now Brighton today, and even the cup game against Man U, you know, until sort of the last fifteen twenty minutes where it fell apart, I thought there was a lot of positivity in there. So, and you know the the signs over the last few weeks, I, I think there's there's a lot to look forward to because as I think a lot of us have said on a number of occasions that's a good squad of players that should be, I think, comfortably finishing in the top half. And so now that there's um, sort of an extended period of time where they don't have to worry about games, they can literally just concentrate on training and you know doing drills over and over again. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how how things will pan out now when we come back after the World Cup break. And obviously that that first game against Liverpool. 
it's a tough game. Obviously, you know, you you, you might have wanted like Nigel Forest at home or something like that. But Villa always tend to raise their game against the better opposition. I think because you'll have had that bit of a break, fans be sort of eager to get back to the stadium. It's a late kickoff on Boxing Day, so you know the fans. It'll be a full stadium. I think that's. I actually think it's a really good game to, to come back to, and yeah, let's just see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's it's not too too bad, and it's actually a good result. But I, I think all in all, I think it's a it's definitely for one. I mean, two wins on the bounce in the league is good at any time in the season. But I, I think going into this break, for one, it's great. Of course, Unai Emery's undefeated. That's another thing, but. I feel like it almost, for me, and I don't know if you feel this way too, it almost feels like the um, whole kind of stoppage with COVID at the initial uh, 2020 kind of point within March where we had that long standpoint of, okay, when are we coming back? And it went on and on and on. And Dean Smith used that as a mini preseason. I feel like that's exactly what we can do. I'm sure there'll be a, there'll be a, a friendly or two that'll come up. Actually, I thought I saw something about Villarreal or something yeah, yeah. too. So to be honest, I think that only benefits us going forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I, every club will be doing the same thing, having games, I'm sure, behind closed doors and stuff like that. But it's, yeah, they've obviously that Villa Real friendly, I think that's that's uh, with fans, um, I believe. So, yeah, it just makes sense, really. And obviously, if Emery uh, coming for Villa Real, it's, uh, yeah, it might be a you know, nice play for their fans if they want to come over and sort of say their goodbyes to him. So, no, I, th- I think. I, I, like you mentioned, funny enough, though, with Dean Smith using that sort of COVID break, he used it well. Some teams didn't use that break as well as they could have done, but we we addressed the major issues that we were having at that time. And I suspect that Emery will, you know, have had a bit of a look now the last couple of weeks. He's sort of got a, a little flavour of what he's working with. And now he'll, I, you, you can just tell that he's, he's someone who, He's very, very clever when it comes to football. He knows, you know, he knows the game inside out. He knows how to set teams up. He knows how to be flexible within games. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the second half of the season. I'm in a very positive frame of mind. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely busy because now we're off for five weeks. So I'm going to be probably pretty annoyed at some point when it's like constant <laughs> games and hopefully there's not a bad run. But of course. At time of recording, November 13th, we are 12th place. I mean, I didn't think I'd be saying that about three weeks ago or a month ago, which is, you know, what? I, I mean, it doesn't really mean that much at this point. But saying this now, Sai, and I mean, it's a lot to say, but where do you think now that we'll finish come the end of the season? I think we'll finish the top half. Uh, that's, but that says... That's as much as I'm going to go. At the <laughs> I think we'll finish in the top half. I wouldn't want to say. I, I mean, I, I don't. But I don't think we'll we, we'll finish any higher than eighth. I think that is probably the maximum of where we get at the moment, just because of how poor the start of the season was. But you never know. You know, he, there might be some business done in January that I don't think anyone's really got an idea yet of how much money he's going to be given in this transfer window. So there's. There's no reason why you, we can't go on a really good run. I mean, as I, I think I might said after the Newcastle game, like Newcastle are a perfect example of what can happen with proper coaching because they're third in the league. And I was looking at their team that started their game yesterday against Chelsea, with the exception of 
Gamares, Trippier, Butman, and maybe Pope. The rest of that starting eleven are at best mid-table. Like really, most of them played under like, Steve Bruce. <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? So there's it shows what we've uh, proper coaching, well-organized style of play that every player buys into. It shows what can be achieved. So there's yeah, why not dream big? All I can say, if they finish in the top four this season, that's absolutely mental. How Miguel Amaral went from a, a Jack Grealish <laughs> joke to an absolute world beater is beyond me. But regardless of that, that's for another day. I'm going to say we finish 10th. And I'm going to, that's middle of the pack. I'll be happy with that. To be honest, I thought yeah. when uh, Unai Emery came in, I thought, oh, sweet, we're going to do really well in one of the, or one or both cup competitions. Uh, well, Carabao Cup didn't quite work out. It wasn't working and it stopped working shortly after we decided we couldn't <laughs> defend. Um, but aside from that, we still have the FA Cup. I would take 10th and to be honest, a half decent run where we don't draw United or something like that. Can, we just, <laughs> can, can I see us play like Burton Albion or a non-league side or something? I just want something different. Actually, not Burton Albion because that's even going back a couple of years. Let's play like Forest Green or yeah. Stevenage or something. I don't know. Some someone Oldham, I don't know. Wrexham, yeah. there we go. There's something good for. Your, yeah, uh... is it too much <laughs> to ask for a nice home draw against a non-league team for once? Or or for I, I guess Villa fans actually in the UK, or if you have money to travel abroad just to go to a random FA, FA Cup fixture tie, can it be a good away day for those folks? Something yeah. a little bit different yeah, where people yeah, haven't been. You never know where yeah. the where you don't actually have urinals, they're all basically outside and you that's <laughs> all you have. You never know. We could be playing, I don't know, the the next Salford that comes up. I guess that'd probably wreck some. So that's a that's a bad example, <laughs> but everyone knows what I mean. But uh Simon, I think we'll wrap it up there because I don't know what I'm going on about here. Yeah. So uh, I we're, think we're that's going off on a weird tangent again. <laughs> yes, we, yeah. That I mean, this is this podcast. I think we're on episode four. This will be episode like four hundred one or four hundred two. I think at this point um, in time, it, it, it's it's pretty evident that we do just talk absolute crap, but we enjoy it. And um, with the people that I see come back all the time and comment, apparently they do too. But anyways. Thank you very much, Simon, for joining me. Thank you all for listening. Of course, you can find Simon on Twitter at Cy O'Regan. You can find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Email the podcast, Holtcast at gmail.com. Check out the website as well, um, 7500holt.com. There's too many things to read off, but regardless of that, leave us a positive review wherever you find us. We should be back in around a week or so. Um, with a nice little special that we have been working on for the last little bit. So, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. And don't forget, up the villa. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 